Uh, hello and welcome to the Interfish Podcast. We are live from Boston, wrapping up the end of Three Days of Chaos, and we're sitting here looking out the window at a snowstorm, which has changed the dynamics of the show significantly. I'm here with reporter Kim Tran, reporter Rachel Saipin, executive editor John Fiorillo, and I'm editorial director Drew Cherry. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hello. Hey. I'm going to send it to Rachel Sapin. She's the newest member of our team, and I would like your first impressions of Boston, what stands out, uh, coming from the outside of the seafood industry. Um, First impression was just being overwhelmed, not really wanting to try anything, trying to just take videos of people awkwardly and having them kind of look at me and walk away from me. Um, but the weather was great, so I really liked that part of the trip. Was outside was perfect when we got here, and then it kind of reversed. The weather got worse, and then the show got a little easier. So um, overall, I guess good show. I got some people to talk with me, and I'm super tired, and definitely glad we are away from all the people right now. It's overwhelming. It's intense. Like those three days of being in that hall and all the din and the noise and. You know, it does. It takes time. The seafood industry can be a little bit hard to get to know. What was the but, product uh, that you saw yeah. that you liked, Rachel? Ooh, um, I love all the smoked salmon products. I actually really liked Acme's stuff. I went back there a couple times, and I liked Trident. I was like pretty surprised by that like jelly and like Pollock thing they were making. Like, it wasn't bad. Yeah, Trident's done a lot of pretty amazing new product innovations, and I I think in general it was good to see. Um, a lot of value adding and a lot of creativity which we haven't usually seen over the years so since I I got I don't know I talked to you know Pollock producers that compete with Trident and they couldn't say enough nice things about the R&D efforts and ambitions of Trident trying to move Pollock out of its traditional breaded environment into you know, kind of an everyday fish, a value-added fish, and um, I, I think they should be commended for that. That's that's not an easy task, but they're trying everything they can think of, and, and that's that's impressive. How about you, Kim? What, uh, what well, stood out to you? Sp- speaking of uh, Pollock, um, one of the new products that I saw that seems pretty awesome was um, I went stopped by Shining Ocean, and they had something... Um, it was a sriracha surimi blend um, for sushi, and that was uh, that was really good. But they also had these um, shredded long strands of surimi, and the recipe they used was really really good. At first, I thought I was eating a cold noodle sa- Asian noodle salad. Um, I was noticing a big emphasis on U.S. harvested, U.S. made, who U.S. processed products, and a seemed like there was a even bigger push with that. I don't know if it was had to do with the timing of with simp and that starting this past up this past January that made maybe made more consumers more aware of imported versus domestic products, but that's just something I noticed. Hmm. I noticed uh, last year poke, you know, was hmm. coming onto the scene, but it was a lot of the people supplying it were supplying it in the raw form, you know, mm-hmm. that somebody could buy it, transform it. This year, I noticed a lot of consumer-ready poke products, you know, retail-ready box. I, I, I can't think of the name of the company, but they had an amazing array of just 
great products that uh, go in just little boxes of pokey kits and you just you know and the, it was really good it was good quality so um, it's kind of moved to that next level now. Mm. Um, let's talk about the topic uh, at our event on Monday, the launch of the Sustainable Shrimp Partnership. Um, what was kind of your takeaway, Kim, on uh, what's going to happen with that and whether or not they're going to turn that into a success? Um, well, they seem to have they seem to have enthusiasm behind it, and um, when I talked to Jose Campasano, he definitely his vision's not short term with this he's looking long term and wanting to tackle some of the bigger gigantic issues such as um, global warming and making sure that these species and the shrimp is sustainable for decades and decades and one of the things that I'm wondering about is whether or not it will be successful because a lot of people worry about the here and now, what's going to affect my my profit margins mm -hmm. now, and they don't have that long-term vision that he has. So I'm I would like more people to come on board with that, but not a lot of people have that can look that long-term. They say they believe in that and they want that, but doing it is different from saying it. Mm -hmm. We kind of tangentially hit on it in in the discussion. We didn't really directly do it because it would, maybe wasn't the time or place. But to what extent are we uh, reigniting the GAA ASC uh, kind of loggerheads? Do you feel like that's coming back? And if you remember, formerly it was it was pretty bad in the beginning, and they kind of hit some MOUs and standardized you know some of their certifications. But um, what do you think? I mean, after seeing what 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 they're trying to achieve and the fact that they are they've chosen to commit to ASC rather than um, uh, BAP yeah I mean you know one thing that came out were a lot of you know a lot of people you you heard mention all the certifications and the, the job of juggling those I mean I, I suppose there's room for both GAAs and and ASCs but I gotta think at some point there's gotta be some collapsing together of these, and and now we have the new the, the shrimp one, and I, it just seems overwhelmed. If I was a supplier, I would feel overwhelmed. But and I know they do. I they talk to you and they tell you that. But so I don't really know. I mean, what what did you take away from? I, I think it's I think it's going to be successful. Whether or not they can apply that to other regions is a huge question mm -hmm. because the way that they farm already in Ecuador, they're well on their way to meeting that standard. Yeah. Um, you know, so so they they were successful with the GSI because they had commitment from the very top level, and I think when you have, I mean, obviously it's got the backing of the ASC, and when you've got the backing essentially of WWF you have a lot of money and you have a lot of, of support for that you've had a lot of, a lot of PR support um, so I think it has a really good chance of getting some traction versus people just pursuing eco levels I don't think the GAA should be concerned about it necessarily um, but but I will say one notable difference, I believe this is the first time ever the ASC and MSC have shared a booth mm -hmm. and that kind of shows I mean, the animosity between wild and farm seafood has been intense for all these years. To, to see that, 
I mean, if you would have even suggested that 10 years ago, five years ago, people would have freaked out. So, to, I mean, all the people that would have signed up to the MSC would have freaked out because they would have said, no, I don't want any part of that. Well, So and, that shows to me that there's, you know, this is I, coming together more and more. I heard in Miami and I heard here from various people that the GAA is now looking at expanding into fisheries. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I haven't talked to anybody there. I don't know, but... I, People who seem to know have told me this a couple times now. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that'd be interesting. Uh, yeah, I talked to a few people just with the fisheries versus aquaculture. Um, some people just said we seem to be sick of a lot of the public misconceptions that they have on seafood, the seafood industry in general. But then there's also a lot of um, I don't know mis misinformation within the the industry. Aquaculture people thinking one thing about um, fisheries and vice versa, and their their facts aren't exactly correct. And some people who I spoke to definitely seemed that they want they wanted better cross collaboration and trading of information so that at least within seafood we can get our facts straight mm -hmm. and not fight each other so much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I went to the uh, Chilean Salmon Marketing Council debut where they officially opened for business and the goal is to, you know, obviously market uh, uh, Chilean salmon and their focus is the U.S. market and uh, an underpinning of, of their efforts is, is education because um, can, they just feel consumers don't know anything about Chile and anything about the industry and it's kind of interesting they have a logo and stuff and it, it's almost a copy paste of like an ASME approach to you know the cleanliness of the water the beauty of the nature and the harmony of the fish and the, and, and, and you know a lot of it's very true so but that is what they're going to broadcast to consumers and I think it's a solid approach. I don't know how much money they have or, you know, it, it takes a lot of money to convince consumers. It's not a cheap proposition. So, but it's interesting that, you know, it's kind of along the lines you're saying aquaculture. I almost feel, this is terrible, but I almost feel like aquaculture, at least salmon, has taken a step back. I mean, with mm. the cook thing uh, in Scotland, they're getting hammered and then you know I, I don't know it, it kind of worries me a little bit BC's always been you know a, a tough place yeah I don't know you know I, I talked to um, I talked to some people about this and whether or not they were concerned that what we saw in Washington State if that would be uh, if the next target would be Maine that people would feel like you know opponents would feel emboldened and say they can make this happen in Maine and uh, the the source that I talked to, he was not concerned about that whatsoever. He said the dynamics in Washington State were such that it was uh, it was unique, and and he also and this has been pointed out, just the the PR uh, efforts on the part of Cook were, were probably um, could have been a lot better to say the least. Um, so I don't know, but in a funny way, you do see you would have seen a lot more. Uh, 
marketing effort on behalf of salmon producers, I think, a few years ago, because now it's a product that almost effectively sells itself. That said, you do see smaller producers like the Faroes, like Scotland, like New Zealand, um, like Iceland, you know, they're all trying to differentiate, differentiate themselves. And when I was uh, talking to Chris Mulder uh, of Highliner, and we were sitting there and, you know, he said, are you hungry? And of course, journalists will never turn down free food. So I said, sure. Never. Never ever. And he served, uh, he didn't serve, but the chef served us a salmon flight, he called it. And it was like Chilean, oh, cool. Faroese, and Norwegian. Oh, cool. And oh, wow. Yeah. Which one, uh, which one did you like most? Yeah, I'll taste exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't no. say that. No, 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 no. I mean, they, they, they were all very nice. But when they're prepared with, you know, yeah. uh, in the same way, it's hard to tell. It would take a, it would take a salmon farmer to tell, I think. Um, but anyway, it does show that I think that that's another thing. Provenance, you mentioned it before with the, the USA. Um, people want to know where their food is. Even North Sea, which is a, a Dutch company, trying to sell a, a finished product into the U.S., frozen finished product. They have on the front the Dutch flag. And the salesman there said, this is really important. People want to know where their food is made. It makes a difference that it's made in Holland. What did anybody take away as far as the business outlook? Were people bullish, bearish? Did you get any sense of the kind of the business end of it? Like we're doing well. We're you know. Um, I mean, it seemed like the companies seemed optimistic about their products, and you know, like they didn't seem like they were lacking new materials or marketing schemes um the show before the weather turned rough was very crowded um i found myself like stuck in the traffic through the corridors <laughs> um a lot and so yeah i mean from my new new perspective um it seemed like um seafood is is kind of uh, a growing uh, protein in the U.S. I know it's still kind of the underdog, but um, you know they are—they're learning how to how to market to millennials. One thing I think of is the—I think it's the Handy's Power Bites. Oh, they yeah. had tons of uh, a lot of talks with cool the product. bigger companies about protein. What was that? I didn't. The Handy's. What was it? Oh, they're like these like shrimp and um, crab. crab and sometimes salmon. Uh, they're like little little bites that are made okay. with like. But very um, high burgers, in yeah, and they use edamame instead of uh -huh. mayonnaise, and there's like in retailers across the U.S. and they're like, you yeah. know, like 100 calories, but each one has like 10 grams of protein. The like, protein thing's for real. I mean, that that yeah. and yeah. seafood should true. like take advantage of that. What was that protein powder? Oh, speaking of that, to me was coolest thing that, that I saw, I and maybe I got maybe I got suckered because I basically got like an infomercial from Roger Hofseth, but you know what? Who cares? They, uh, Hofseth BioCare, uh, for those that are kind of watching our pages, it's a publicly listed company and most notable for, for not doing that well. And Roger kind of said, look, we've spent a lot of money and we have a mission, we have something in mind. And you know what I think they do? Because what they've been doing is they've been taking the offcuts, the heads and the frames of the fish when they go and value add it. 
Um, and they've been now processing that into oils, into protein powders, calcium. into all stuff. Do you know what he said comes out? Calcium. Mm -hmm. What comes out when he's done with the process, when they're done with the process completely, is steam. Mm -hmm. Now, that seems... I'm going to go visit the plant and see for myself, but I'm sure that there's, you know, that's when everything's running perfectly efficiently. But that's phenomenal. And if they're able to actually make that happen, that to me is a true sustainability story. Yeah. If they can actually use all those parts for human consumption rather than, you can always grind up chicken parts and do stuff with it. Um, but to actually turn it into human consumption, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. So this, because of the omega-3 trend, because of the protein trend, they're on to something if they can really do it. And they were all really bullish about what this does for their company. Because typically, Norwegian uh, salmon sellers, there's still a good lot of them that are cowboys. And they like to ride that spot market. So this gives a certain percentage of your... Uh, of your sales that are always going to be floating on the top going into this really high value market. So I drank some and uh, I felt immediately better. My Norwegian improved. <laughs> <laughs> I asked for another round. It, it was weirdly addictive. It felt, I felt really, I felt really good drinking it. Okay. And I thought, I thought, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm kidding. I didn't feel, you know, suddenly, you know, overwhelmed with energy, but Super it was something where you were like, you were having this health food where you're like, I know this is good for me, yeah. you know? I don't know. I think but it might really take up. Keep in mind, this is okay. So I, I had it too because Drew spoke so highly of it. Did I your ran, Norwegian improve? I ran, no, it did not. I ran there as quickly as I could because I, I am a protein consumer. I weigh protein, milkshakes, and you know, all day long. Okay. But this was, so it was like a fruit juice kind of tasting thing and it's coming from fish it's but there's protein. no there's no salmon fish. protein but you take this whole packet of powder and you put like 14 16 ounces of water in it and you get 24 grams of protein well that's as much as like a typical scoop of whey protein but you don't have the heaviness of whey or anything like that so i uh i would i loved it i thought it was awesome and i hope they get some distributor in the U.S. to sell it because I'd buy the heck out of it. I think it's addictive. Good? Yeah, it tastes You could not, you could not taste like the salmon. Sounds awful. I'm no, trying to see. Like punch. I think great. because yeah. I've given the, them that plug, so, you know, Roger, if you're listening, I think that you should send me some of that in Bergen so I can... Uh, I can feel better. I, I feel I feel jonesing for it Seattle. now. I feel like I, I need a bump of, the, of you, the salmon protein yeah. powder. Yeah, and I'm just thinking like, you know, there's obviously you can go into retail with that. You can go with one of those health smoothie uh, companies and food service. There, that's that's pretty good. I like that idea yeah. a lot, especially if you go along the coast where people, you know, seafood is just so much more prominent. I can see that working. Yeah. But again, I think that, that to me, it's an interesting part of the sustainability story that isn't often told. And one of them, the big part of the sustainability story that I think the seafood industry is terrible about telling is the jobs, is that they sustain jobs in coastal communities where there are no other jobs. And they don't really talk about that very, very well. They're starting to, but that's one part of it. And then, to me... Um, Sustainability of the stocks is one thing, but sustainability of the pro of utilizing the products to its maximum ability to feed people. 
that's a remarkable sustainability yeah. story. And Truly that's something is. that fish is able to do differently than none of the other proteins are able to do it, except maybe crickets. Well, crickets, yes. But we heard from Cook. I mean, they have second-generation farmers in these small northern um, towns in, in Washington State. So those jobs apparently will go away. And, you know, that's a shame because these like you're saying, these coastal towns, there's not a lot of work there. It's not, you know, Amazon's not there and all the other high-flying tech guys. So, you know, that's another kind of bad result of the, the Cook situation, but it goes to your, your thing. These, these operations are out in coastal villages, small places, but they employ a lot of people with real wages, real jobs, you know. Yeah, it's their livelihoods. I think they have, like, in Washington State, about, like, 600 direct and indirect jobs impacted by yeah. this and uh, I think right now the bill is still on the governor's desk it hasn't been signed yet no um, but we'll see we'll see I, he seems to really support it at least he publicly did in a press conference so. unless yeah. he gets his mind changed somehow yeah it's a shame what about uh, what about any um, rumors and buzz on the on the floor John What's happening in the M and A world and yeah. uh, contracts, retail contract world? No, I didn't hear a lot of retail deals, um, but I heard a lot of whispers about some, you know, sizable companies uh, pulling off some M and As in the upcoming months. So, um, you know, nothing we could report. We just don't have it yet. But it sounds like you know, known companies are going to be making some. Um, significant acquisitions in that middle in the middle market yeah, side you're in, talking in the yeah. middle and the more um, supply side you yeah. know so um, you know it's just continued consolidation um, but it's very consolidation these days is very strategic yeah. you know you, you 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 are looking for a piece of the puzzle that you don't have and you find it or you don't but if you find it obviously you go get it so yeah. There were a lot of financiers here, and I, you know, they're always busy sitting down. You see people like DNB, Rabobank. You know, it's always fun when you see these major lenders sitting down with uh, major CEOs. It's pretty easy for us to start to <laughs> connect the dots and go, "All right, we need to get ready and uh, set up a shell for that company to make an acquisition." So, How about you, Rachel, anything from the from the floor that sort of jumped out? Um, I, you know, I don't think I have any, like, amazing news to report, but, uh, you know, just, I was just really intrigued by, you know, the products, like, the processing stuff was really strange. I'd find myself, like, staring at chickens coming off the processing line because it was comforting, like, the odd repetition. <laughs> I don't know. You get into a weird state out here. But, um, yeah, I mean, for me, it was just like, oh, there's people. These are real people. And, you know, like, and it was interesting just to, you know, kind of, find the humans in this crazy industry um, and yeah a lot of the time you know I'm sure if I was more aware of who people were I sometimes felt like I was walking in on a poker game with a bunch of old white men a lot of the time it's very awkward so that's accurate yeah. I mean <laughs> so, yeah, that's exactly what you yeah. are it's one yeah. large poker game with old white men I think it's <laughs> getting better it's getting better it is getting better yeah, and we're doing our part yeah but actually, once we went to, what was it, like, the MSC reception, 
I mean, there's a lot of women that are working in that yeah. field, yeah. which is kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. So. Good point. It's, getting, it's, good point. it's getting a lot better. It really is. It's not moving fast enough, but it's getting better. How about you, Kim? Um, one thing I was uh, seeing was um, I saw a lot more talk among companies uh, going into e-commerce or mm-hmm. being more willing to go into e-commerce and opening up that channel. It's not... Um, their main focus they're just opening up that option for their consumers but uh, they definitely have seen more of a shift with certain consumers and clients wanting more direct product direct to to your door and they feel just in the past couple of years with things such as Blue Apron and uh, now with Amazon taking over Whole Foods and just people are now more or less afraid to try food having purchased it online through that retail channel so i'm curious to see if there will be growth but there there are definitely a few companies who are revamping up their website now for the first time offering you know consumers to buy um buy direct directly from their warehouses Uh, that's what um uh, chris Mulder at highliner was saying was that those categories where normally you would have a food service category and a retail category, you'd have separate teams, you'd have separate messages. He said that's all blended now because you have to think about what is Amazon now? You know, what is it? It's an e-commerce retailer, but it's also brick and mortar and Whole Foods does a lot of you know, ready meals. So you can't really separate the worlds out in the way that you used to before. And we'll yeah. see if seafood's a protein that's going to fit in that space. So. Yeah. My my final thought is that you know, it, Drew and I have, and Kim now too, we've been to a few of these. So, you know, the, you know, you you've seen a few, right? But, but to see all the friends that you have in this industry, all the people you know, it's always fun. And today, I was just blown away. Um, a lot of you probably remember John Pollock, who used to run Cisco Seafood Program. He came up out of the blue. I have not talked to him for years. John and I used to be really good friends when, you know, with seafood and stuff. And so he's back in it. He's back at Cisco doing some procurement stuff. So it's just everybody's still in this industry. They kind of move around, but they're all You can't ever leave. But it's a great, great group of people who are very committed to, to what they do. So. It's a Hotel California of the protein world. That's what seafood is. I'll go with that. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, that sounds like that's a good place to wrap up. And uh, thanks, everybody, for, for making it through Boston. And we'll talk to everybody else in the next podcast.